0: I want to try to help you understand that the things that you do outside of school are valuable whether you're in dance whether you play video games whether you play basketball whether you sit around and talk with friends and chat on instagram or snapchat those things are valuable they're part of your life and they're important and what i started to understand the message that I got from school was only the schooling that happens inside these walls is valuable. Everything else is just, that's if you have free time to do it, but what, you, what we do here at school is actually really important. Hello everybody, welcome to Schools Out, the podcast where we talk about learning outside of the classroom. I am your host, Philip Mott. You can find me on Instagram at philip.mott or you can find me on Twitter, at philipmott1. Let's get into this. We are talking about ways that schooling can block your desire to learn. Now, I've been a child myself. I'm in my mid-30s now. I have kids of my own. I'm married. I'm a former teacher. And I feel like I'm one of those few teachers who really understands Uh, the impact that schooling has on children. Now, when I say schooling, I don't necessarily mean just going to school, like the building. I'm talking about the way that instruction is delivered. I'm talking about the use of criticism, blame, threats, complaining, nagging, punishments, and bribes. That's what schooling is. When, When teachers are using... Criticism and blame and threats when they complain and nag students about behavior and they use punishments and bribes to try to control and change behavior. That is what I'm referring to as schooling. And I'm very aware of the effect that this has on young people. Um, I go and visit classrooms from time to time. I'm not a teacher anymore. Uh, I am working with my wife and a small community of people that We're gathering together, we're trying to open our own private school called Self-Directed Academy uh, here in central Indiana, probably in Hamilton County. And one of the main things that we're trying to remove from our environment as we start it is the existence of this idea of schooling, that we're forcing kids to learn things. But really what I want to talk about today is how does that block our desire to learn? Now, your desire to learn is something that is innate. It's something that is built into the structure. If you did not have a desire to learn, you wouldn't do anything. You wouldn't eat. Uh, you wouldn't try to sleep. You wouldn't drink water. You wouldn't survive. Desire is the beginning of every action that we. Everything that we do. Every long journey, every short journey, every reach out to pick out something. When you open up your closet, even, I'm in my bedroom right now recording this. When you open up your closet, you reach for the pants and the shirt or the skirt or the blouse that you want to wear. It starts with desire. Now, Anytime someone else's desire sort of gets laid over top of ours, or, so, or their desire, they treat us as if our desire is less important than their desire. For example, schooling. So I desire to read something I'm interested in. The teacher desires me to read something that is for a grade, or something that is, uh, they think is more important. If they cannot convince me that their desire is better, then they are incentivized because it's their job to actually make me more uncomfortable in order to bring their desire about. And that's what I'm calling schooling. And when I think about desire, like I think of, I started thinking about what would desire really look like in school? If you, If you really wanted to be at school, and for adults who are listening, think of it in terms of work. If you really wanted to be there, would you be late very often? Would you talk when you're not supposed to? Would you miss homework assignments? Would you talk back to the teacher? Would you cheat, fall asleep, stay up too late? Would you skip class? Most of the time, we're not going to do these things when we want to be there. People know how to show up for concerts on time, show up to friends' parties on time. They will, uh, Kids will push everything aside to sign online for a group game together. These are things that they want to do, that we want to do. And what I'm saying is that when we try to, as teachers, when teachers try to put their desires on top of yours and make them more important, then that actually blocks your desire to learn. And one piece of evidence I have for that is my own life. I felt like schooling was being done to me, and I didn't understand it until much later in life, but schooling was being done to me. And so what I did is I rebelled against that system. And I started to tell people that they couldn't tell me what to do. I started to go my own way. And I really threw out education along with the negative relationships that I had in life. They blocked, they didn't just make me mad for a day. They actually were blocking my desire to learn. By the time I left school, I didn't want to do anything. And I'm not talking about left school, I like graduated. I'm talking about when I came home, You know, I, that's, that's when I spent my time doing what I wanted to do. And homework got in the way of that constantly. And I know if you're a student right now and you're listening to this, homework gets in the way of you doing things that are valuable. And really that's what this whole podcast is, is, I want it to be about is I want to try to help you understand that the things that you do outside of school are valuable, whether you're in dance, whether you play video games, whether you play basketball, whether you sit around and talk with friends and chat on Instagram or Snapchat. Those things are valuable. They're part of your life, and they're important. And what I started to understand, the message that I got from school was only the schooling that happens inside these walls is valuable. Everything else is just, that's if you have free time to do it. But what, you, what we do here at school is actually really important. Now, I'm not saying that school and education is not important. It's very important. But the way that we deliver it blocks the desire to learn. Now, how does it block that desire? Well, we really almost have to think of it from a golden rule perspective. The golden rule is to treat other people as if you, the way you want to be treated. So, if you don't want to be, if we look at these seven deadly behaviors identified by William Glasser, criticism, blame, threats. Complaining, nagging, punishments, and bribes. If you don't want to be treated that way, then you shouldn't be treating other people that way. If you don't like your schoolwork to be criticized, then don't criticize the schoolwork of others. If you don't like to be threatened in order to be made to do something, then don't threaten others. It's really that simple. Now, one person that in my life that I really liked what they ended up saying is he he called it the platinum rule it's not It's not always good enough to say, uh, well, I don't mind being criticized or it's I'm skipping ahead a second. It's not always good enough to say treat others how I want to be treated. We need to treat others how they wanted to be want to be treated because some people and i'm I was guilty of this I sort of thrived on criticism for a while and so I use that to justify my criticism of others but other people don't like to be criticized and very few people do and especially they don't like to be criticized regarding something that they don't want to do anyway for example if I kind of like playing golf, but if I didn't like playing golf and I went golfing with my friends and they were criticizing my playing, I probably wouldn't even play the full game. I just say, hey guys, I'm going to go get some lunch and I'll see you later. Maybe we'll catch a movie or something. And I'm not going to spend time with them. Now, in a schooling setting, that is happening all the time. Grades are a form of criticism. And in a lot of ways, teachers use them as a form of threats saying things like, you're never going to go anywhere in life. Very few teachers say things like that anymore, but they might say, well, you're going to have a hard time next year if you don't do well this year. And they may be right, but that does not give them the right to criticize you. And a lot of times when you feel like pushing back against that teacher, the reason you feel that way is because you feel like they're criticizing you. And when they're complaining and nagging, when they use punishments like detention or, I can't think of, you know, what are some, I don't know, what are some other uh, punishments that teachers use? Uh, Bribing is huge in our culture right now. It used to be in, when I was in school, there were a lot more punishments for not doing the right thing. And now you have a lot more rewards for doing the right thing. Now... You might think, well, rewards are better. They're more positive. But Alfie Cohn has done a lot of research on this. He actually wrote a book called Punished by Rewards, where he argued that punishments and rewards are really two sides of the same coin. And we can't ignore that, that there there have been so many studies done about how when you reward someone to do a task, you actually block their desire to want to do things harder. One of them that was really important, they set up an experiment where they put these kids in front of these puzzles. One group of kids, they paid them for every puzzle that they completed. Another group, they just said, they simply said, hey, we're, we're testing out these puzzles. Um, tell us what you think of them. Now, the kids that they, that they paid, I think it was 9 out of 10, 90% of those kids As soon as the timer was done, they stopped solving puzzles. Now, that's not surprising. They're just doing a job. They're getting paid 5 bucks a puzzle or whatever it is. This other group of kids, I can't remember the number, but it was pretty high. I think it was 8 out of 10, kept working the puzzles even after the experiment was over. The timer went up. So when they paid the kids, they stopped working as soon as the clock stopped. When they didn't pay the kids, not only did they put a lot of effort into it, but they were curious about it and kept working on it after the time was over. And to me, the way that you, the way that grades are used are just like, grades are like currency in school. They're using, teachers are using grades to sort of get you to do more and better work. But the studies have shown that it actually undermines; it blocks your desire to do really good work, and this has been com- confirmed by the work of W. E. Deming too. Um, so he he would be another author to look at. Now, if we if you can follow how we block desire, then really the the way that we don't want to just say stop doing the negative things we want to figure out how can we do the positive how do we activate desire and this is something that we're really trying to do in our school that we're calling self-directed academy well we want to support our students that doesn't mean we have to agree with everything that they're going to do but if they want to give something a try then we support us say go ahead you do the work if they want to say we want um we want more money for a new TV in the gathering room or whatever and we say okay now as the adults we might think that's really not that great of a way to spend money right now we're a new school Um, but if they come up with the money they come up with the plan they raise the money then we're gonna let them do that Uh, we're gonna try to listen to our students uh, we're going to encourage them that when they when they hit adversity, that they shouldn't give up. If they really want to do something, we we'll want to encourage them and help them recognize what they're doing really well. We want to spend time accepting who they are and trusting that, trusting that they have desire to learn deep within them. I think one thing that happens, especially with sc- students who have been in A schooling environment for many many years. Let's say they're they're going to be a new student at tenth grade. You know they have ten years of schooling behind them, and they may do nothing for months. Um, Even some they may do nothing for the first full year. And some people call that a de-schooling process. They're sort of trying to get all this pressure off of them away. It's like pushing like a push up they're just pushing it all away from them and and we're going to trust that somewhere there is this desire to learn and the desire to grow and we sort of have to break away the layers of control and coercion in order to get to that burning desire where we finally find something that they are interested in doing whether it's reading or writing playing basketball Uh, We want to have outdoor facilities so they can skateboard, um, so they can, hopefully we'll have a pond eventually so people can fish or a swimming pool that people can swim. Can you imagine how fun and how freeing an environment would feel like if you could swim during the day at school whenever you wanted to? Now, some would say, well, you can't just swim all day and we're going to say yeah, you can. Because life is about making choices and we want you to we want our students to make choices while the consequences for those choices are a lot less dire. You can go back and learn high school algebra when you're ready in a few months. And some have estimated that it only takes about 3 months to learn that after even if you've never done any uh, formal math at all that you can actually go and learn you can be able to pass the math sat in case you need it for college you can go back and study for that and pass it in about three months now if that's the case we have to wonder why do we spend seven and eight years really trying to train kids to be ready for high school algebra when it's been shown that when a kid is ready to learn it, they can consume it pretty quickly. And so that is one of the the core principles of our school is trying to make it an environment where kids are able to make choices and then there will be consequences to those choices. If you don't learn how to read until you're 12, you may miss out on some really fun and interesting literature. But that doesn't mean you're behind. A lot of those kids who wait until they're 12 to read, they they go from not reading to reading adult literature within a matter of months because they're curious and they're interested about it. But when you're not curious and when you're being made to read things you don't want to read, it blocks that desire to read. And so one of my main points today is that coercion is the problem if you follow me on social media you'll see me use this hashtag from time to time coercion is the problem the process where we try to make our desires more important than the desires of our students and our kids that's the problem if students feel coerced pushed manipulated or tricked they're going to push back and some are going to push back so hard that they actually reject education entirely. And those are the students who really struggle in life a lot of times because they won't read, they won't engage in meaningful conversation, they won't uh, treat their loved ones with respect. They become rebels in the most negative sense. I appreciate you listening today. Thanks for listening to my rant. Check out my website, philipmott.com you can find, I wrote an article on this called seven ways schooling can block your desire to learn. And, uh, again, hit me up on social media, find me on Facebook and find me on Twitter at philipmott1 or Instagram. If you like Instagram at philip.mott. Thanks again.